My guest this week is Joe Evans. Joe is the head softball coach at Texas A&M University. During the part one of our conversation, Joe and I talk about her transition from the University of Utah to Texas A&M, why she got into coaching in the first place, handling conflict in a healthy way, her growth in patience over the course of her 26 years at A&M, and much, much more. Joe and I had a great conversation. She deeply cares about her athletes and is one at a really, really high level. Before we dive into my conversation with Joe, I want to introduce you to The Tribe. The Tribe is a group of coaches who desire to grow and get better. We meet every second and fourth Monday for one hour, and we talk about topics such as engaging today's athletes, creating an environment where people can be their best, how to better lead yourself and much, much more. For more information or to sign up for the tribe, go to my website at kingdomcoachingtw.com. Now let's dive into my conversation with Joe Evans. Joe, thanks for joining us this morning. I appreciate you taking time out. Um, would love to hear your journey from high school to present day. All right. Well, I grew up in Hunter, Utah, which is just right outside of Salt Lake City. And uh, I was a ballpark rat. And back then, though, they didn't have, uh, when I was younger, organized softball. So um, didn't have softball in high school, but had our travel ball. So when I was in high school, I was doing our travel ball. We certainly didn't play as much as uh, how, how much kids play now. But absolutely loved it. My dad was my coach. Um, learned a ton about the game from him and and my other coaches and knew for sure I wanted to play in college. Uh, the University of Utah was just, you know, 20, 25 minutes from my house. And uh, I had grown up watching events at Utah and watching the softball team. So I was fortunate enough to, to land there on a scholarship and, and play there for four years. And I, I loved my college experience. I, I loved playing softball. I enjoyed the people I played with. We weren't all the same. Our personalities were very different, um, but we all definitely uh, had great camaraderie and, and play for common goals. And um, I, I knew I wanted to coach at a young age. That, that was, I really felt would be my calling and really uh, aspired to that, tried to learn as much as I could. My college coach, Norma Carr, um, was really organized, um, always had a plan, challenged us, um, you know, someone who definitely influenced my coaching career. And then our um, athletic director, our associate AD, Fern Gardner, she's a big influence on my life. And um, she's also our basketball coach at Utah. So she was a leader that I really looked up to. And um, so I was supposed to go be an assistant. We had an assistant coach who was got a head job at, at a D1 school. I was supposed to go and coach with her. And then, so that was my plan. It was all in place. And then it fell apart. And so I literally did not know if I was going to coach or not. I honestly, it was like July, August when I got a phone call from Joanne Graff and, uh, she was the head coach at Florida State. They were playing slow pitch at the time, and they were just transitioning to fast pitch. And um, she had gotten a phone call about me. 
uh, she calls and she says, Hey, you know, we need a pitching coach. We're just transitioning to fast pitch. I, I pitched in college. I was a second baseman, but I threw BP, uh, you know, my travel ball, I pitched some, and I was throwing the games that we were either getting annihilated or we were blowing somebody out that that's when I got on the mound. So when she calls me and says, Hey, uh, you know, we need a pitching coach and what do you think? And I'm like, absolutely. I got this. I mean, scared to death. I, I, my confidence wasn't great, but, um, I was like, absolutely. I can do that. You know, that expression, like fake it till you make it, let's go. So we did it on, on the telephone interview and, uh, she offered and I accepted and went out there for $4,000 a year and um, was the pitching coach. And it was a tremendous opportunity for me. And I will never forget Joanne Graff taking a chance on me and giving me that opportunity. I am indebted to her for life. Um, went there for two years as, as an assistant coach. And then um, being young and naive and stupid, thought, hey, I'm ready to take the next move. So I quit the job. At the end of the year, I quit. And I start looking for a head coaching job. So I always tell people, like, um, I, I advise you not to quit a job before you have another job. <laughs> but uh, anyway, thankfully for me, it worked out. Fern Gardner, who I mentioned, was our administrator at Utah, um, spoke with the people at Colorado State. They were looking for a head coach. Um, this is where the whole networking comes together. And uh you know, think about what you're doing and understand that there are people who will support you along the way if if you're a stand-up person, if they think you can they you can do the job. So she calls Colorado State and long story short, I get that job. Well, I only get that job because the program was in disarray. I mean, you don't being that age, 24 years old, getting a head job at a D1 school, that's that doesn't happen. Um, especially now, but uh Back then it was, you know, I don't, I don't know if anybody else even wanted that job. So I got the job and um, I was there for four years. And then Utah, my coach, Norma Carr, ends up retiring and going into administration. And then I, I got the opportunity to go back there. So I spent seven years at the University of Utah, my alma mater, my family living there. It was my dream job. And um, then Texas A&M called. And it's funny because they called and Fern, um, my administrator, I, I said, I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not taking that call. And she said, oh, yes, you are taking that call. Hmm. And I, I always think about that, you know, her being unselfish yeah. and, and pushing me. And, you know, we had been to the World Series twice when I was at Utah, uh, that seven years. And, you know, it was a good fit for me and for them and for her to push me to say, no, at least take a look, go down there. And then the rest is history. You know, I ended up um, taking this job and I teased and say I was kind of kicking and screaming because I was leaving a place I really loved. But I knew that this was the best decision for me professionally. And uh, I've been here for 25 years. I absolutely love coaching and I really wouldn't change anything about my path. I love that. Thanks for walking us through. What was the biggest transition for you? So you're you're going from Utah to A&M. You're going from 
uh, you're changing conferences, you're changing regions, you're changing. I mean, it's a, I'm guessing it's a pretty big difference between Utah and um, College Station. Yeah. What was your, what was the adjustment like? It was challenging for me. You know, I wish I had done a better job of doing my homework on the culture of the program of the university. Um, it, it, I, I, I absolutely love it here. And I, I should have done a better job of, okay, what are the traditions? What is this university founded on? How can I go in immediately and identify with these core values and um, what these people hold near and dear to their heart? And I, it didn't take me long to learn it, but I would have, I think, been a better coach right off the bat if I had done that. Um, and, and then just culturally, you know, the South is different than the, the West. And, um, I grew up with mountains and there aren't mountains here. You know, I grew up in a dry climate and this is a a lot of humidity here. So those things were different, but not, you know, it's, it, it wasn't certainly a deal breaker in any way. Yeah. Was there much difference, um, in the athletes from region to region? Um, no, I, I think they're, you know, equally great athletes, Yeah. uh, but to get to draw from the entire state of Texas, you know, when I was at Utah, I tried to get a couple of Texas kids. Well, when I was at Colorado state too, not happening, (laughs) they were not leaving. And, uh, so yeah, just a lot of great athletes here. So the pool was so much bigger at Utah. Um, you know, we're just a smaller population and, we had great, great athletes from the state of Utah. And at the time, BYU didn't have a program. So we were able to get those kids and then uh, recruited a lot from California. Yeah. So yeah. these athletes were great. There was a plethora of great Texas athletes. And, um, you know, we've made a really pretty good living off of recruiting those kids. Sure. You mentioned that you kind of knew you wanted to coach. Do you remember the moment that you figured out, hey, I think I want to do this for a living? Was it a was it a was it a period of time? Was there a moment? Yeah. How did you know and what that looked like? No, I just think it was literally in my DNA. My Mm. mom coached me when I was young. My dad coached me. Um, We talked the game all the time. You know, when kids talk about, oh, the ride home was tough with my dad or my that that wasn't the case for me. Like the ride home was dissecting the game and the strategy. And my dad would, he made me umpire. I mean, he, I say make me, but strongly encourage me. So when I was young, I umpired and I would always take the umpire exam, you know, just to learn the game and know the game and understand it. And, um, and I had great coaches. Rod Morris was another one of my coaches, Dick Pierce, these guys who um, just really love the game love the kids who played the game. And so I just, it, it, it was a foregone conclusion that I would coach. Yeah. So you mentioned Ferdinand Gardner a couple times. What sounds like she was a great person, but also a great leader. Give me some insight into her leadership and yeah, just what made her special. Well, first of all, I grew up watching her play softball. So back then they had the women's major ASA majors, and um, she was a legend in Utah. She was from northern Utah, but she was a pitcher and she could fling it. I mean, she was so good. So as a young kid, 
I'm watching her play and, um, and, and, and then getting the chance to uh, be at the university when she was the basketball coach and administrators watching her. And then um, also just as the opportunity to work for her, she's a great leader. She um, was, was just so successful as a coach um, coached all the sports, played all the sports. She's in the state of Utah Hall of Fame. She's in every Hall of Fame that's out there. And she was just always supportive. You know, I could go into her office and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. And she mm-hmm. always gave me good, solid advice. She never um, kind of meddled in things, but just was always there for me. And I, I really appreciate her. And to this day, uh, a few years back, she came down to College Station and uh, stayed with me and, and watched our series. And that just meant the world to me. So it's it's I'm really thankful to still have a relationship with her. When you think of her as a leader, what are some uh, attributes that that stick out? Um, that she could be direct. Yeah, she could give me feedback. And, and I could respect it because she'd been in my shoes. Mm. So she'd been a coach. She understood what it was like to deal with the challenges of recruiting and parents and kids. And, um, and then she let me go. She, 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 the reins were loosened and I could then flex my muscles, so to speak, and, and jump in and, and do what I needed to do. But, but she was always there to save me too. She never let me. Um, you know, go too far or get too far off uh, off the path. So I just appreciated, I think mostly it came from just that respect that I have mm. for her and had for her and watching her be so successful as a coach. And then as an administrator, like who doesn't want an administrator who's been a highly successful coach? Yeah. I mean, they get it. They, they don't have to ride that wave of, oh, we didn't win or we didn't win enough games and you're losing it. It's like, no, they understand that there are times when those ebb and flows and peaks and valleys happen and they're not going to abandon you. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, Joanne Graff, maybe share a little bit what made her special or maybe maybe share what are the things that you learned from her? Because obviously you were only with her two years and next thing you know, you're a head coach. Yeah. What'd you learn from her? What'd you pull from her? Well, the first thing was to, to give a young person a chance. Mm. You know, I've always thought about that in my career. Like what, what would have happened had she not given this youngster right out of college a chance? And so um, I appreciated that. Uh, I appreciated the defense that I walked into. Okay, so these kids play slow pitch. People are hitting missiles at yeah. them. And they made it look simple. And I, I love defense myself. So I really appreciated that she was recruiting kids that could get out there and um, really you could hang your hat on defense. I appreciated that. Um, and then I just learned about recruiting and what that takes and those steps. And she threw me in there and let me do that. And um, so, yeah, I – just the steady, she had confidence in her program and what she was doing. And, and, um, the, I appreciated her taking a chance on me. Yeah. 
Joe, how would how would people describe you and your leadership? What are the attributes? What are the, what are the skills and gifts uh, that have made you successful? Oh man, that's not it's not that fun to talk about yourself, but um, I don't know. I think what I'm good at is um, I'm not afraid of conflict. Uh, I don't see conflict as a bad thing. I actually see it as an opportunity to teach and to learn and to model communication, good communication. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I feel like a lot of uh, our, our players and maybe some coaches, they're, they're just afraid of those challenges that they're going to confront. And so they kind of want to dismiss it or, or, pretend it's not there and and then those things fester and it just gets worse and worse so um i i try really hard to take those things head on and do it in a way that's really respectful to our players and staff and um say the hard thing it, i, I kind of have this um sort of motto for myself of uh you know i'm gonna say the hard thing and and say it in the kindest way possible um, because I think that matters. I think the way I communicate matters. So, um, do I always get it perfect? No. You know, would there be some kids who are like, ah, you know, that wasn't my experience, but overall, right. I, I think that I manage people well and, and, um, I'm not afraid to have those hard conversations. I'm not a, I'm not an in your face kind of coach, you know, I'm more kind of yeah. trying to figure out what my players are about and, and then adapt accordingly. Yeah. So um, by the way, it's so, I, I agree with you hundred percent. I feel like it's, I don't know if it's any worse now. I don't, I don't, I don't know that, but I just know a lot of people shy away from the, 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 the honest, brutal conversations. And I say brutal, just the brutal honesty of like, man, you're, you're not on the travel roster or Hey, you know, to an assistant, Hey, you've got to be better in this area, whatever. Was that modeled for you? Is that part of your wiring? Yeah. What, what, what makes you able to do that? Um, I, I think it's probably just more how I'm hardwired. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was so long ago as a young coach, I'm not sure that I was good at that, mm. but that's what I've grown into. And, um, so yeah, I just, it's important to me. So I want to be good at it. I want yep. to give that the attention that it deserves. And I am constantly thinking about it. So that's, but, but I can't say a certain time or some, I went to some seminar or anything right. like that, you know, it just kind of evolved into that. Yeah. I saw a quote the other day that said something to the effect of like, when you don't have those hard conversations, you're, you're avoiding discomfort but you're inviting dysfunction over the long haul. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that nails it. That's right. It doesn't go away. Yep. It doesn't go away. And the times that I have uh, hoped it would, it just, it's 10 times worse. Yeah. So. No doubt. No doubt. Um, let's see here. Where do I want to go? So you, um, you've been there. You're going into your 26th season. How? I'm sure you get this question a lot. How in the last, let's just say 20 years, um, 
What are the key areas that you hit? We'll start with you and then we'll get to athletes. What are the key areas where you, where you can see and you mentioned, you know, you, you, you've grown into to being really direct and giving great feedback. What, what areas have you grown in? What are some distinct differences between early Joe and now Joe? Um, just more patience, um, being willing to ask questions before I just fly off. Yeah. You know, early in my career, you know, something happened. I just, I'd get a kid and I'd let him have it, you know, Hey, this isn't okay. I don't like this. And, and just, you know, be a, be that coach. And now I take a step back and think, okay, what's, what's behind this? Why is this happening? Or who is this kid? I, I'm sorry. I always call my players kids. So no, you're good. Okay. Um, but I don't call them girls. I call them women. So, but yeah. I just think of them as my kids. But so, you know, I, I'm now I'm more so, okay, what's going on in her life? Um, ask questions first, instead of like, say somebody's late or, or they didn't do something. I will, I will ask questions as opposed to just, you yeah. know, boom, here I come. Here's the, here's the consequence to what you just did. So I feel like that helps me know them better. And um, then it starts a dialogue and communication. Now it's not to say that everything's going to be fine and I'm happy and there's no consequence. No, that's not the case. But I think I've gotten better at that um, through the years. I just more interested in understanding as opposed to just disciplining. Yeah. And was there a was there a moment or was that just kind of a gradual maturity on your part? I think it's just maturing. Yeah. You know, it's just getting more mature and um it's just a part of the maturation process, I think. And 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 I do also though we do have like certain rules like say you're gonna be late for practice. Um somebody shows up late, you know for, for us forever, it was like, you run 15 minutes after practice, be done, call it a day. And, and I said, don't, I, you don't need to come in and tell me why you're late. Cause this is from my own experience. One time I was late for practice, uh, in college, I came up with some crazy excuse. It wasn't honest. Um, mm. I get in trouble, but I never felt good about it. I always felt like, why didn't you just own up and then take the consequences? Yeah. So early on, I just felt like if I can establish some of these hard and fast rules and the consequence, then our kids don't feel like they have to come up with a great excuse or a great story. And I, cause I, I want them to be honest. I want them to have integrity and I didn't have integrity in that, particular case yeah and i don't want to put them in that situation and i think that's worked well for us so that's good that's good i uh was talking with a coach probably a couple months ago i think it was and he talked about trying to be non-judgmental as a coach like just not not judging the kids there's there's expectations and standards and there's accountability but we're just not going to we're just not going to judge the kids so it sounds a little bit kind of that line of thinking. Yeah, I like that. I, I, I like that. And it's, it's not always easy to do. Yeah. 
I mean, sometimes it's the first thing we think is we, we get critical and we want to judge and totally. in everything. So I, yeah. I like that. And athletes, let's just say over the last 10 years, because I think if we went 20, it's it's massive differences. Let's say in the last 10 years, how have you seen um, athletes change? And yeah, how have you seen athletes change? Well, they're, they're just so much physically stronger, yeah. faster, quicker, uh, more developed. Um, their bodies are more mature. Their feet are huge. <laughs> I yeah. remember playing and they, they didn't make cleats small enough for, you know, for us. And now we got kids that are five, six wearing an 11 shoe. It's crazy. But um, just the, the, I feel the maturation process physically is just quicker. Um, they, they, their skill level is better, mm -hmm. higher. They come with more knowledge. Well, say they come with more knowledge i'm not so sure about that but they come with um the skill set of in knowledge i mean like what is it going to take for me to be faster stronger yeah. uh, a more physical uh body uh i i think um i think a big part of that is being able to watch women play mm. softball on television see it at a high level when I was growing up, I was watching baseball players. I was yeah. watching the guys. Um, and now they get to see these women do what they do at a really high level and then imitate that, emulate that. And I think it's made kids better. And, uh, and, and then I, I, do, I do question now, you say how it's changed in the 10 years. I think they don't practice very often. Yeah. play a lot of games and they're supposed to just learn all of that in the game. And you can't sometimes you, I mean, look in college, we're breaking it down every day and teaching and developing. And so I do feel in the last 10 years, they're not as knowledgeable about the strategies and the ins and outs of the game. Mm 